Hi, Saints of God. Welcome to Q&A Wednesday with Dr. Kamala D. I am your host, Dr. Kamala D. I am here to answer your questions, questions or clarifications you may have about scriptures or past episodes. You may also suggest future episodes. I have five questions I'm going to answer for you today. I hope my answering these questions will give you a better understanding of these scriptures and the things of God. Now, for the sake of time, let's go straight to question number one. Question number one comes from James in Memphis, Tennessee. James wants to know, why did Jesus refer to himself as the son of man? Great question, James. Now, the son of man, is it, it's an expression Jesus often used to describe himself. Um, the son of man is said in the four gospels 88 times to be exact. Um, this is no, there, there is no clear biblical answer to, to this question. However, there is a written principle that may give you a better understanding of why Jesus referred to himself as the son of man. One is Jesus was the biological son of Mary, um, who is 100% human, no deity in Mary at all. She's 100% woman. And he was the legal son of Joseph who was also 100% human. Now, there was no deity in Mary or Joseph. I want, want to make that clear. Now, that might be one of the reasons that Jesus referred to himself as the son of man. But the prophet Ezekiel was also referred to as the son of man 90 times in the book of Ezekiel. Now, if you want to read about uh, Jesus being 100% God and 100% and man, you can go to Colossians chapter 2, 6, and 9. But the most revealing scripture is in the book of Daniels, chapter 7. The book of Daniels, chapter 7, and I'm going to read this to you. And this will probably give you the best understanding as to why Jesus referred to himself as the Son of Man. Now, I said Daniel chapter 7 verses 13 and 14. Now, this is Daniel the prophet talking. I was watching in the night visions and behold, one like the son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the ancient of days and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom. He's talking about Jesus. That all peoples, nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away. And his kingdom to the one which shall not be destroyed. Now, Jesus, I think this is the most telling and revealing scripture. Because when Jesus referred to himself as the son of man, he was referring to his messiahship. He was talking about himself fulfilling the prophecy of the prophet Daniel. He often did that. When Jesus was walking through his hometown of Nazareth, um, no, that wasn't his hometown. That was where he grew up at. He went in the synagogue and he began to read the book of Isaiah, um, referring to a prophecy that Isaiah had made to the people. And he was letting them know that he was that person, the anointed one. 
who came to set the captive free. So when he was referring to himself as the son of man, he was actually referring to um, the prophet Isaiah, referring to him as the son of man. That is the best example I can give you. And I hope you were blessed by that. I, ho I hope uh, that this helped your understanding. You can study those scriptures if you want. Go to Colossians chapter 2, 6 and 9. And Daniel chapter seven, verse 13 and 14, he, Daniel was actually prophesying about the coming of the Messiah. Now let's go to question number two from Karen in Chicago. Ooh, Karen, Karen is about to work me. Uh, Karen wants to know, um, what does Hebrews 10 26 mean when it says, if we sin willfully, there is no more sacrifice for sin. Th that's a good uh, question, Karen, because um, we have false teachers today that often uses Hebrews 10, 26 to try and deceive people into believing that they can lose their salvation. And, and that's not what that scripture means. Um, Hebrews 10, 26. First, before I read it, I need to explain to you who the writer is talking to and why. That explains a lot. If you know who the listeners are and why this is being said to them, you will have revelation in a lot of scripture. Um, first, we don't know who the writer of Hebrews was. We do know it was an apostle. We just know it, it wasn't uh, the apostle John. It was not Paul. It was not Peter. It was not Timothy. It was not James because normally when they wrote letters to the church, they would sign their names. I, when I was in school studying for my master's in divinity, we talked about this and we were asked to do a little research and which apostle do we think it is. I mean, this is not relevant, but I just wanted to share this with you. I personally think it uh, was Apollos because Apollos was very elegant and eloquent. So, um, but we don't have any proof of that. But what we do know, it was definitely an apostle because he gets the Jesus thing right now. The listeners were, they were Jews who believed that Jesus was the Messiah, the anointed one, and they had accepted him. However, false teachers had come into the church and started telling them that they still needed to follow the laws of Moses and that they still needed to be circumcised. The men needed to be circumcised. And the writer was telling them, that you were saved by grace through faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. The faith is in Jesus Christ. And he was trying to get them to understand that this is milk. Y'all should be past this by now. Y'all should be um, actually walking in meat by now. Uh, because this is, look, the prerequisite for salvation is you must be a sinner. We got past that. We are saved by grace through faith and not of works. It is the gift of God, lest any man should boast. So the writer was saying, well, let's actually go there. Let's, let's actually go there. It is Hebrews chapter 10, starting at verse 26. Let's see. Where is Hebrews chapter 10? Starting at verse 26. Now I'm going to read verses 26 to 29 so you can uh, understand. For if we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. 
what the writer was saying is the sin, the willful sin was rejecting Christ. And for what he did on that cross, that's what the willful sin is. Now, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, see, after you are told that you need Christ and what he did on the cross, because you got to remember no cross, no crown. What he did on the cross was sufficient for your sins. You don't we don't need any more sacrifices. God is not accepting any more animal sacrifices. That's what um, this no longer remains a sacrifice for sin. Christ is the only sacrifice for the sins. But a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation, which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Now, if you stop right there, somebody can de deceive you into thinking, oh, we have to keep the laws of Moses. We're going to die. We, we are going to die without mercy. That's not what this is talking about. Read chunk 29. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will be will be thought worthy who has trampled the son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he has sacrificed a common thing and insulted the spirit of grace. We are saved by grace. So what the writer is saying, what you think going to happen to happen to you if you reject God's plan for salvation? There is no more sin for your sacrifice. You can't use animal sacrifice anymore. So I suggest to you, Karen, from Chicago, that you read chapters 9, 10, and 11 of Hebrews. And I can, I promise you, it'll give you a better understanding of what that verse actually means. But it is not talking about if you sin, that's it. There's no more sacrifice for sins because Christ is not going to keep being nailed to the cross. Uh-uh, he did it once and for all. Once and for all. And by his stripes, we are healed. By his stripes, we have been delivered. So I hope that um, I was able to clear that up for you. Now, question number three is from Sheila in Los Angeles. Wow. Thank you, Sheila, for writing in. Um, Sheila's question is, is it God's will for a person to be sick? Lord, no. Before I even get into these scriptures, no, Sheila, it is not. It definitely is not. Now, I want you to go to Luke, because I'm going to read several scriptures for this. I want you to go to Luke chapter 5, verse 12. Luke chapter 5 and verse 12. Now, I am going to um, read a scripture who, that started all this, this misunderstanding first. So you can get an understanding of this. Yeah, I want you to get a, a real understanding of where this confusion came in, came in at. So beginning at verse 12, Luke chapter 5. And it happened when he was in a certain city. That behold, a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus and he fell on his face and employed him saying, employed him, meaning begged him saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then he put out his hand and touched him saying, and this is Jesus talking. I am willing be cleansed. Immediately the leprosy left him and he charged him to tell no one 
Mm. Jesus said, I am willing. This is the same Jesus who is uh, the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's the only time you're going to hear Jesus say, I'm willing. And he said it because somebody asked him. He He never initiated that statement. He was answering the question of this man who was sick, who was sick with leprosy. And Jesus said, I am willing. I can just hear Jesus saying it now. I am willing. Why on earth would you think I'm not? Because you got to remember. I, no, I want you to go to Acts 10.38. Yeah, now let's go to Acts 10.38. We, we have to get this, this healing thing together. Acts chapter 10 and verses 38. Um, okay. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all, healing all, healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. Healing all, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, not God. The devil and God are not friends. They are completely opposite. The devil puts sickness on you and God will take it off of you. Now, I I just want y'all to get a clear understanding of who God is. God is not associated with sickness. He is our healer. He is our deliverer. And in James chapter five, verses 14, James says that if any among you are sick, call on the elders of the church and the prayer of faith will heal the sick and the Lord will raise him up. The prayer of faith will heal the sick. Not if it's God's will, the prayer of faith will heal the sick. James says, The prayer of faith will heal the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. Now, let's go to James chapter four. I'm getting ready to show you where all this confusion came in at. James chapter four. And y'all have to bear with me. I am extremely tired, but um, this is an obligation And I wanted to make sure that I at least did the first segment. But James, what did I say? James chapter four, verses, verse 15. Let's read this. No, 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 no. For you to get a clear understanding, we need to go a little bit back. Let's start here. Chapter 13. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such city. And spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is, I'm sorry, for what is your life? Is it even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away? Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Now I have a question for you. Where did did James talk about sickness and healing? And if it's God's will that uh, you will be sick. In fact, James was talking to, let me explain to audience. He was talking to a bunch of rich people who were boasting in their riches, 
and was talking about how they were going to invest and how they were going to travel. Uh, James also addressed their lack of faith. Their faith was in their money. Their faith was not in God. Um, why some of their prayers were not being answered. James was dealing with uh, some difficult people. Their faith was in their riches. And James said, instead of boasting about that, you need to say, if the Lord wills, I will live and I will do this and do that because your life can end tomorrow. That's who James was talking about. I mean, that's what he was talking about. And he was talking to these types of people, not anybody who was sick, but instead people read that scripture. They didn't hear nothing else. James said nothing else. All they did was read. James said, if the Lord will, that's all they read. And now they apply it to everything in their life. It has nothing to do with sickness because we just read that Jesus was anointed by God and went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil. And never once did Jesus said, well, you know, if I feel like it or I might go do some healing. If, if I feel like, if it's my father's will, I'll do some healing. No, Jesus went and healed. Just like the lady who had the issue of blood. She went to Jesus. She, she fought through a crowd. I mean, this lady, when you can see somebody's faith, <laughs> oh, ooh, my Lord, praise God. When you can see somebody's faith, we talking about some, some faith that can move mountains. This lady said, if I can just get through this crowd, and if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. And guess what? She spoke it. She touched his garment and she was made whole. And she got scared when Jesus said, who touched me? But Jesus, guess what? He comforted her. And he said, lady, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you whole. Now go in peace. Your faith has made you whole. And James dealt with uh, this faith issue too. Because they were a little rocky with their faith, but they had trust in their money. Yes, they did. They had trust in their money. They had a wavering faith, though, when it came to God. You know, James said, let not that man think he should receive anything from the Lord. We talking about the, the person who, who has a wavering faith. As a matter of fact, I, I want you let's let's read that because I want you to get this. James chapter one. Let me let me go to James chapter one. James chapter one. And verse seven. But no, we need to start at verse five. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally, meaning freely and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. There's no hidden secret in what James just said. He said, if you don't believe and, and you are doubting, let not that man think that he should receive anything from God. And guess what? That's including healing. I never read one scripture in these four gospel gospels where Jesus healed anybody that didn't believe. He kept a promise when it came to Lazarus, but he didn't heal anybody who didn't believe. And look, we serve a good God. See, that's one of the issues that we have in the body of Christ. The biggest issue is, is false teachers. That's what the biggest 
issue is. But the issue that I have a problem with is that people will believe somebody that they see who don't go to nobody's church before they believe the word of God that's being shown to them, that's being read to them. They won't even receive it. They won't even receive it. But that's why you're not prospering. It's not. Um, this also tells us that, that there are different levels of faith. You know, it's the prayer of faith that heals the sick. That's what James said. And he is correct. If any among you are sick, you call on elders. You call upon the elders of the church. Let them come and anoint you with oil. And it's the prayer of faith that heals the sick. And the Lord will raise him up, not put him under. The Lord will raise him up. Now, you, you can study these scriptures for yourself so that you can at least plant them in your heart. They will come up when you need them. And when these naysayers and you hear something, uh, somebody saying that's contrary to the word of God, you know what you do? You focus on these scriptures. It's the prayer of faith that heals the sick. And I, I hope, um, Sheila from Los Angeles, that you now have a better understanding. And that question is no, it is not God's will for somebody, for, for one of his children to be sick. Now let's move to question number four from Cynthia in Atlanta. Hi, Cynthia. I have an older sister named Cynthia. Um, so what is your question? Let's see. Is confessing your sins for salvation? If not, why does John say in 1 John 1, 9 and 10, if you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Oh, Cynthia, I'm glad you asked because I was talking about this the other day with someone. Now, you got to know who the audience is. Remember, this is a key to studying the Bible. You got to know um, who the audience is and why certain things are being said to them. Now, John was talking to two different sets of audiences. He was talking to Christians and he was talking to non-believers. Um, let's let's actually go there. First John chapter one, verse nine and ten. I wasn't going to go there, but I want to read it for the listeners. First John chapter one. And verse 10, if we say, ooh, that is not what I wanted to read. I did tell y'all I'm tired, so y'all have to bear with me. I'm going to get through this. I am going to get through this. First John chapter one, beginning at verse nine. Okay, if we say that we're here, so we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If Okay, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Now, what, what John was saying to um, the little children who are the chosen ones, who are the Christians, it because of false teachers. Uh, false teachers was everywhere. False teachers is who prompt these apostles to write these letters to the churches. What he was doing was telling Christians that who was concerned about sinning and go, after accepting Christ and going to hell, John was saying, no, if you happen to sin, we have an advocate with the father and he is, his name is Jesus and he is the atonement, the sacrifice for our sins. 
that's what he was saying. And he was talking to the non-believers saying, if y'all say y'all don't have no sin, you are a liar. And the truth is not in you. Because what they were saying is we're not sinners. You know, we're not going to hell. And Paul is saying, if you're saying you're not a sinner, you are lying. That's what Paul was saying. You're lying. And so he was encouraging the, the, the believers that, look, you're okay. Jesus has your back. You're okay. You can um, also read, um, let's see, 1 John 2 and 1. 1 John chapter 2 and 1, for the sake of time, I have to move on. We have one more question. Um, I ordered brand new equipment, should be coming in tomorrow, where I will have more than 30 minutes. But I have 30 minutes and we have seven minutes left. But he, we're not confessing our sins for salvation. Um, Romans 9, 10, and 11, if you confess Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you saved. You don't have to confess your sins because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. So no, we can confess our sins after salvation when we stumble. And also um, in Galatians 6 tells us uh, what we should do if a Christian is, is overtaken in, by a fault. You know, it says you who are spiritual restore such a one, you know, in the spirit of meekness. I'm sorry, in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you too fall. So, you know, meaning don't get caught up in their sin. Don't you do it. But, you know, we who are spiritual should restore that one. Lead him back to the word of God, because we are still in this flesh. This flesh is not saved. OK, so we need to encourage one another. We may fall. It's OK. We we, we have an advocate. His name is Jesus. Amen. His name is Jesus. Um, now let's move to this final question. Number five. I don't know if we're going to be able to get through all this. Let's try. This is from Barbara in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Hey, Barbara, I live in Louisiana. Um, Barbara wants to know, does God tempt us and put burdens on us to help us grow? The answer to that is no, Barbara. He does not. We, um, we would be dealing with a cruel God, wouldn't we? We would be dealing with a cruel God. A mean and hateful God. See, that's the problem. People don't think God is good. They don't think God is nice. Now, if you go to James chapter one, verse 13, God does not tempt us with evil, evil, nor can he. I also want you to um, go to first Corinthians 10, 13. God will never allow us to be tempted above that which we are able. But with the temptation, he provides a way out. He doesn't allow us. He don't put nothing on us, putting something on us and allowing is two different things. I often hear people say, God will not put no more on you than you can bear. Where's that scripture? There's no such scripture as God will not put no more on you. The Bible says that God would not, will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able. Also, first um, Peter five, seven says, cast your cares on him for he cares for you. So why would he put something on you for you to put it back on him? Philippians 4, 6, and 7, be anxious for nothing. Matthew 11, 28, and 30, come to me, all who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Hebrews 4, 15, we have a high priest who is able to help us in our time of need. Jesus was tempted just as we are, but yet he was without sin. So he knows our weaknesses. He can help us. So you need to make sure you stay away from false Christians when it comes to the word of God. And definitely if you are sitting under false teaching, if you happen to be reading your Bible and listening to a pastor say something contrary to what you were looking at, I would suggest that you remove yourself from those teachings. Okay. Cause it's not going to benefit you. Uh, we serve a good God. We serve a God that heals. 
We serve a God that loves. We serve a God that walked in the flesh just like we do. So he understands what we go through. He is able to help us. That's why we can go boldly to the throne of grace and ask God to help us. Look, God, I know you know what I'm going through. I need you. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will never turn his back on us. God is a healer. He is a deliverer. But if you don't have faith, let not that man think he should receive anything from God. That's written. Stick with what is written. Don't stick with what these naysayers are saying. They are walking by sight. They are not walking by faith. And that faith is supposed to be in the promises of God. Now, guess what? This is Q&A Wednesday with Dr. Kamala D. Until next time, I want you to keep walking by faith and not by sight. And remember that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I am Dr. Kamala D coming to you with peace and love. See you next time.